Repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. No, no, no. This is the last time you're going to worship in 2013. See, some of you all need to say it like you don't want to see 2013 again. And some of you all need to say it like you want to see 2013 magnified a thousand times. So say it again. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Reben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the anointing that's in this place. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who's here to teach us and lead us into all truth. Father, I pray for hearts, minds, spirits, that they will be receptive to the rhema word of God. And as I decrease now, I thank you for using me to transform the minds, lives, and hearts of your people. And I thank you in advance that this lesson, this message is going to carry us into a new year. And it is going to transform us so that, Father, people can see your glory and our story. And so we give you thanks in advance, in Jesus' name, for doing only what you can do. And we thank you now, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Toward the, the end of every year, I begin to really seek the Lord to see what he prophetically wants to pronounce into our lives and our church. And he's never failed us. Everybody say, he's never failed us. He's never failed to give us something that is awesome, that is accurate, and that we can anticipate for our lives for the following year. Well, the prophetic promise for 2014 is that this is going to be a year of great expectations. Everybody say great expectations. And what a way to communicate such a prophetic promise by just having an end of the year New Year's Eve service. Can you say amen to that? So tonight, let's get into the word. And I'm going to teach a little bit longer than what I normally do because I'm going to get this lesson into your life. And you know what? We have vowed to give everybody a free copy of this CD. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4. 2 Peter 1, 4. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. That was 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. And if you're taking notes tonight, you don't have to unless you, something really sticks out at you. But tonight's message is... 2014, a year of great expectation. Amen. Now, what I'm going to do before we jump into the lesson, I'm going to define what expectation is. Expectation means to look forward to. 
It means to anticipate the occurrence of something coming. It means to look for something with reason or justification. Basically, to expect something means you're looking forward for something to happen. It's like a woman who gets pregnant. She begins to anticipate a new person in her life. She begins to now get prepared for what's coming into her life. And that's what expectation is. You know, I heard a story about an old man who was dying. He was on his deathbed. He was upstairs. And he was about to die. And all of a sudden, he got a whiff of some chocolate chip cookies. And it woke him up a little bit. And, you know, he decided... Look, before I die tonight, I'm going downstairs, and I'm going to get some of those cookies. So he got up out of the bed. He leaned on the wall and literally slid all the way down the steps. He got down there. He fell to his knees because he was so weak. He saw the cookies spread across the table and all across the countertops, and he reached up to grab one of those cookies, and this spatula hit him on the hand. Pop! And he just knew his wife was fulfilling his most desired thing, and that is give him a chocolate chip cookie before he died. But to his demise, she popped him on the hand and said, leave those cookies alone. It's for your funeral tomorrow. (laughs) Just like it's possible to expect and anticipate bad things, It is possible to anticipate and expect good things. And many of us are going to have to learn and train our thinking in 2014 to stop thinking about the negative and to begin to think about the positive. Can you say amen to that? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the first point tonight, and that is great expectations come from having great promises. I'm going to say that again. Great expectations come from having great promises. Everybody say this with me. Say great expectations come from having great promises. Now, another way of saying that is that promises have the potential to birth expectations. I'm going to say that again. Promises have the potential. Everybody say potential. Promises have the potential to birth expectation. You say, well, what do you mean? When you make a promise to someone, what it does to them, if you have integrity, it causes them to now begin to expect the results of what you said you do. In other words, some of you arrived early tonight who have never been early for church. Come on now. And, and because we said, hey, there are going to be some prizes that we're going to be giving out. Well, you, uh, an expectation was birthed because a promise was made. And that's what happens. I'm going to say it again, again. Great expectations come from having great promises. I mean, how many of you filed your taxes and when you finished filing them, they got through and they saw that you were going to get a refund? Anybody got a refund before? Did you get it excited? You get excited about the refund? I mean, you got so excited. You didn't even get the money yet. But you've already started planning what you're going to do with that money. Because the promise of getting a tax return birthed in you an expectation. And so guess what? In order for our expectations to be birthed, we have to hear God's promises. Now, are you in First Peter, uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4? 
All right, watch this now. It says, whereby are given. Everybody say they've been given. Now, when it's something is given, is it free? Yes. He says, these are given unto us exceeding great and precious what? God is saying, I have given unto you exceeding and great and precious promises that by these you might become partakers of his divine nature. Now, when you look up the word exceeding, it means very large and enormous. He's saying, I've given unto you very large and enormous, watch this, precious promises. The word precious means costly. He has given us some promises and these promises are costly. Meaning that these promises have the ability to affect your life in a positive way. And he says, when we take these promises and we embrace them and we begin to receive them, guess what? He says, we will become partakers of his divine nature. Now you say, well, pastor, what does that mean? That means once you partake of God's promises, it pushes you into the category of divine. What what does that mean? Once you are pushed into the category of divine, you now can do divine things. You say, well, what what do you mean? Jesus was divine. Do you agree with me? Jesus, when he needed to, was able to walk on water. Jesus, when he needed to, called a fish to, watch this, to pay his taxes. Once you receive the promises, you become a partaker of those divine promises. Now what that does, it takes you out of the norm and the average status and pushes you above the norm now. So now looking for a job is not the norm. No, no, no. Your resume now has divine influence. No, no, no. It's not your education. It's not your experience. It's not your background that's going to get you the job. It's the divine influence on the promise that you receive. Amen. He said, exceeding great and precious promises. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. What I'm trying to do here is just lay a foundation to help you see that the promises of God are the thing that we need to consume so that our expectation is raised for 2014. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look in verse 20. The first two words in that verse say it with me. For all. Come on, say it again. Come on, one more time. For all of the what? For all of the promises of God in him or in Christ Jesus, read it with me, are what? Yes, Yes, and in him are what? Now the NIV version says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. I love another version. It says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In other words, once God makes a promise, he's not an Indian giver. Now see, let me give you a secret. There are two ways to claim a promise. Everybody say there are two ways. There are two ways to claim a promise. You can take a promise. And then, or God can make you a promise. You say, well, pastor, what's the difference? I mean, if somebody, you know, uh, that you knew well and you felt that, you know, you knew them well enough to take some of their lunch, you took it. And then you can wait for them to make you some lunch. 
Well, two ways to claim a promise. You can take a promise from God's word that you see or God can make you a promise. Now, here's the thing. If you take a promise, you must pre-qualify for that promise. In other words, if you see a promise in God's word, God, I want more in my life. I want you to bless me with more. Well, you have to pre-qualify for that blessing if you want to take that promise out of the book. Why? Because he says, if, well, I said, unless you'll be faithful over little, you won't be ruler over much. So I have to pre-qualify for certain promises because I have to be doing it first before I can take it. Are you with me? Now, when you take a promise, watch this, you must believe it from the outside in. Did you get that? In other words, when you take a promise, it's just like taking food. You take it, and then from the outside, you put it in. When you read God's word and you want to take a promise out, you take that promise, you put it in. But when God makes you a promise, it's different now. That's when you believe from the inside out. Because the promise that he makes you starts on the inside and then you have to, watch this, faith without works is what? Then once that promise has been birthed on the inside, there are some things that you and I have to do on the outside. Are you with me? Either way, whether you take a promise or God makes you a promise, all of them include some kind of action. Now, I've discovered that there are three kinds of expectation. Here's the first one. You can have low expectations. Now, see, these are people whose expectations are always based on the worst-case scenario. These are people who think negative all the time. Uh, I was at a gas station uh, maybe about two months ago, and I saw this lady, and I don't know if she could speak English, but I decided to fill up her gas tank. She was in one of those excursions. Do they still make those? You know why they don't? Because it's a, it's, a, it's a problem to our gas shortage. I mean, these vehicles are probably as long as the stage. They're great. I mean, they're great. But I tell you what, they guzzle some gas. And I knew she was going to put a dent in that credit card I was going to give her, right? So she felt so bad about it, she only put like $12 of gas in the car. So I go over to, and she gives me the receipt. I said, ma'am, did you understand what I said? She says, yes, but, but, but I don't want you to have to do that. I said, but you didn't ask me. Even though I gave her a promise, her expectations were still too low, watch this, to receive it. And you have to raise your expectations up because if God's promise is up here and your expectation is down here, you will still miss out on what he wants to give you. So you have low expectation. Then you have those who have just regular expectations. These are people who will never take a risk because they are just getting what they need right now. These are people who are okay with give me this day my daily bread. Lord, I don't need a Cadillac. Lord, I don't need a Benz. Just give me a bicycle and I'll be all right. I'll be an usher in the heavens. I'll usher people to their seat. No, no, no. See, those are people who just, they're just regular people. Those are people, it's okay to be on a job for 25 years, but not if you're 20 or uh, $25,000 below your pay grade. 
Look at your neighbor and say, you look regular. <laughs> Just look at him and tell him. Now look at him again and say, don't be saying that to me. You have low expectation. You have regular expectation. Then you have great expectation. And these are people who believe that there is no lid to their progress and success. These are people who believe that it's not what you do that keeps me from doing what I do. God's going to make it possible in my life whether you help me or not. These are people who see God beyond their own ability. These are people who believe and trust that God's going to do what he says. These are people who have the audacity that if God told them to go and walk on water, they would go down to Joe Poo Lake with, with Channel 4 News and say, watch me. Amen. Go to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings 13. You have to raise your expectation. And my goal tonight is to pump you up because what God wants to do in your life in 2014, your mind has to be in position to receive it. And this story we're about to read is about a king. And this king had some enemies. How many have had some enemies? How many have had some frenemies? How many are both of them? Got a few honest people in here. This king had some enemies, and the prophet was about to die. So he needed this prophet to, to tell him some good news. And so in 2 Kings chapter 13, look in verse 14, it says, Now Elijah was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Verse 15. And Elijah said unto him, he says, Take a bow. And what's the next word? And what? And what? And some arrows. Notice now, I want you to circle the word arrows because it is plural. He said, I want you to take a bow and some arrows. Watch this. And he took unto him bow and what else? Arrows with an S. Verse 16. And he said to the king, this is the prophet. He said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands upon the king's hand. And Elijah said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, what class? Shoot! And he shot. And he said, the arrow, watch this promise now, because this promise should have birthed an expectation in this man. He says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for, watch this, you will smite or kill the Syrians in Aphek till you have consumed them. He says, listen, the arrow of the Lord is on your side, and when you go and fight them, you will consume them. Everybody say, that's a promise. Watch this now. Verse 18. Then he said, take the what class? Arrows. Now, let's just stop here. Because if the prophet if, is emphasizing arrows, that's telling me that he wanted this king to use more than one. Are you with me? 
In other words, the Bible is very accurate because if it meant arrow, it would have just said arrow. Notice now. He says, take the arrows and he took them and he said unto the king, smite it upon the ground. And he smote it how many times? Three times times and he stopped. Now, now, now that's significant. Okay, that tells me he had three at least. But I wonder how many did he have? Because I'm going to show you here. Because the arrows when he shot them was connected to the success of his victory. So let's see what happened. And the man of God got upset with him. And he says, you should have smitten it, read it with me, five or six times. Stop right there because that tells me he had five or six arrows with him. Okay, so why wouldn't you use all the arrows if the man of God told you to shoot them? He says, the man of God got upset. He says, you should have smite them five or six times. Watch this. When you have, and you would have smitten Syria till you had consumed them. Whereas now, you shall smite Syria just three times. In other words, the success of this man's victory was connected to his obedience from the expectation of promise that he got. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? When God gives you a promise... You have to not just listen to it. Because see, most people, most believers, they have dormant faith they're not using. They they want God to do more than they do. Uh, uh, Okay, 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 okay. Here's the problem. Most people have experienced what I call expectation killers. We're going to deal with them tonight because I got to kill those expectation killers So they won't kill your expectation for 2014. Now here's one of the killers of expectation. Number one, past disappointments. If you want to take notes, it's right up there. Past disappointments. You know, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Most people stop that verse right there. That's not when the verse ends. It says, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. He said, listen, hope deferred. If it takes too long, we'll make the heart sick. It says, but, everybody say, but. Man, you must keep your butt in it. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to keep your butt in it. (laughs) Take it whichever way you want. Take it whichever way you want. (laughs) He says, but when the desire comes, it's the tree of life. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. So your past disappointments should not have anything to do with the promise God has made because he's faithful who has promised. Oh, the Bible says when you come to God, you must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you come to God, you don't come to him thinking, can he? You come to him thinking he will. Here's a second one, a killer of expectation, previous failures. See, what you don't understand is failing just says there is a better way of doing it. Most of us look at failing and we look at it and quit. Failing is just another way. There's a better way of doing it. I mean, you ever bake something and it didn't come out too, too good? And you didn't think, you thought it was all good. Everybody tasted it and, you know. You ever been over somebody's house and they serve you some food and it wasn't really that good? 
Then they ask you, how did it taste? How many had to repent after the dinner? You lied, say, oh, it's so good. You want some more? Uh, girl, I'm on a diet. Previous fails. And then here's the big one. Poor vision. See, if you can see it, you can receive it. And if you can receive it, you can believe it. And if you can believe it, you can have it. And that's why the devil don't want you to see it. See, some of you all don't see your next level because you think the level you're on is the best level it is. Oh, I know some of you all living good. You get paid good, got a nice house and a nice car. Oh, no, no, there is another level. I said there is another level. Just because all of your needs are met doesn't mean there's still another, not another level up there. What, I mean, next level is saying, God, let me be able to give away the kind of money I'm making right now. Oh, that's next level right there. Oh, listen, if you are able to give away what you made now, guess what God has to give you to make? Amen. Here's point number two. Point number two is great expectations are received by having faith expectations. I'm going to say that again. Great expectations are received by having faith expectations. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the foundation of every believer's life. After you get saved, you don't have to hear hear about salvation no more because you're saved. I mean, that's just like somebody have to continually remind you that you're a boy or you're a girl. You don't need reminders. I mean, you can look in the mirror. You're a boy or you're a girl, right? Well, you, you don't need reminders for something that you already know. But see, the problem is people, when it comes to faith, believers, they don't feed their faith. Now, Hebrews chapter 11. Let me, let me explain what I'm saying here. Hebrews 11, look in verse 32. It says, and what shall I say the more? For the time would fail me to talk about Gideon and talk about Barak. Look at that. President Obama, way in the Bible. (laughs) Prophetic promise of President Obama. (laughs) Of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and the prophets. Now watch what he's talking about about these people. All of these people... Who through what class? Through faith, what did they do? They subdued kingdoms. Through faith, what else did they do? They wrought righteousness. And then through faith, what else did they do? What did they do? Man, you have to take your faith to obtain the promises. You can't obtain, the listen, the faith and the promises through your flesh. See, if you try to... Walk through God. Let me tell you. Okay, you said, but you know what? Lord, you said, your word said that uh, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. So I just thank you that I'm healed. And then, you know, you wake up and your back's hurting. So uh, what you do, you go to the counter or the countertop and get you out some Excedrin. You take it and then you go to work. And then you get there, girl, how you doing, man? How you doing, man? My back is killing me, man. It's killing me, man. I don't know, I don't know what I did yesterday. Wait a minute. Where did obtaining the promise go? 
What happened to your confession? Lord, I just thank you I'm healed in the name of Jesus. What happened? You know what happened? You didn't obtain that promise by faith. See, when it's by faith, faith doesn't matter how you feel. Amen. Everything starts with faith and ends with faith. Faith expectations can be deposited in several ways. Write these down. Number one, word fed. In other words, I'm saying for faith expectations to be deposited in your life, they're going to be deposited in several ways. Word fed. Everybody say word fed. And this is where God will put a promise in your heart when you're reading the Bible. See, some of you all can't get a promise because you're not reading. I remember reading the Bible, everybody said years ago. Years ago, my wife and I had gotten married, and it was time to move back to the States. We got up here, and, you know, I have a degree in business, and so that's all I've done and that kind of thing, and the emphasis on marketing. So, you know, I, I, I was in corporate America and the whole nine, and uh, I was reading the Bible, and uh, this widow woman was in debt. And the prophet said to her, look, go fill up, go, go fill up all your pots with oil. He says, now go sell it. And pay your debt and live off the rest. And when I read that verse, it says, sell, jumped in my heart. He says, I want you to sell cars. I said, I ain't never sold no cars in my life. I don't want to sell cars. I mean, you know, car sales can be really challenging. And I never knew why the Lord was having me sell cars. One of them was to humble me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes God will do stuff to just humble you. So when people ask you what you do, what you do, uh, I, mm, uh, uh. <laughs> not knowing that while I was selling cars, I was going to meet my future business partner who was going to help me get into business and start a business that was successful. But I hadn't, I wouldn't have met him had I not been there. Are you all with me? So everybody say word fed. Then the next one is spirit-led. And this is when the Holy Spirit will deposit a desire in your heart. This is when he put in my heart to go to Bible school. I didn't want to go to Bible school, but he put that desire in my heart. So finally, I started going to Bible school. And I went to Bible school, you know, I was an American in Jamaica. So, you know, I had I saved up all my money. And uh, I was a, a very different uh, student. First of all, I was older than most of them. Because I had already... We have hacklers in the audience here. <laughs> By the way, when my wife met me, I was 27. And we got married when I was 29. And she had the nerve to call me old. Well, how old is she right now? 40. Lordy, Lordy, look who's 40. So I get over there. I'm an older student. I'm the first American that they let come to this school. The, 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 the director of the school said, well, why do you want to come to this school when the headquarters for, for this whole school is in Dallas? You're from Dallas. I said, God told me to come here. Watch this, though. What's interesting is my second semester, my wife don't know this, my second, is it such semester? Whatever it is. They gave me a scholarship. And I stopped paying to go to school. They didn't even want to give the Jamaican scholarships. 
They gave me scholarships. Let me tell you something. All of them was having a hard time cleaning their clothes by hand. I was putting my change in the, in the washing machine. There you go. Oh, no. While they all struggling, I'm just, I'm having a good time. They didn't know what was going on because they had secretly given me something that I shouldn't have got. But see, when you obey God, favor comes. Everybody say spirit led. Then here's the next one, prophetically said. And that's when a promise for your life has been proclaimed or confirmed through someone with a prophetic voice. I'll never forget, we're sitting in a meeting years ago, my wife and I, and we were escorting the pastors that we were going to church at at the time, and we were escorting them at this big conference, and we're sitting on the front row. We weren't even paying attention to the speaker. we just messing around with each other. And all of a sudden, the speaker just stops and says, Young man, is that your wife? And I did not hear nothing until he said, Your wife. And I was looking like, oh, my God, this man's talking to me. I said, yes. He said, come here, young man. Come stand on this line right here, you and your wife. Grab, grab your wife. And this is what he, 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 he prophetically said, I see your face on a billboard. And at the time, I was selling cars. I was thinking, ooh, I'm going to have my own dealership, man. I'm going to be rich, man. I'm going to have a dealership. I'm going to have my face on a billboard. My face is on a billboard, but I don't have no dealership. It was prophetically said. Can you say amen to that? And then the last one is desire fed. You say, well, pastor, what's that? That's when you can desire something solely based on a generic promise in God's word. Mark 11 says, what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe you receive them and you can have them. It don't matter if nobody else desires it. If you desire it, you can have it. So stop looking for people to agree on your desire because it ain't their desire. It's your desire. It's whatever thing you desire when you pray. We just look for people to get in agreement with our desire. Get in agreement with the word. Amen. Psalm 37, 4, you can write it down. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. So here's the question. Because, see, faith expectations require next-level thinking and next-level actions. This is thinking that will not accept a no. See, when you get at a certain point in faith, you don't even hear no. You just see their lips moving. And you're just looking at them like, they're saying yes. Uh, Sir, we said, uh, can you say that again? Uh, We said that we're, can I get your manager, please? The manager comes. Well, sir, I'm sorry. When you learn, okay. I'm sitting in Papa Do's. I'm having a dinner with a friend. We're eating dinner, and I reach out. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to pay for dinner. I left my wallet at home. I didn't have any money or cash on me, and I didn't have anything. So I said to him, I said, hey, man, can you, can you pay for dinner tonight? I left my wallet. He said, no problem. You pay for dinner all the time, no problem. And then my wife calls me and says, hey, can you bring me in heaven and land in something from Papa Do's? 
I said, babe, I left my wallet at home. I'm sorry, I can't buy it. She said, you don't need any money. Just tell them who you are. (laughs) Tell them who I am? So I was like, okay, all right. She's still expecting dinner. All right. So so the waiter comes. I said, waiter, uh, I have a proposition and I have a problem. I said, the problem is I don't have my wallet. The proposition is my wife and family are expecting some food. (laughs) So I need you to see how I can pay for this food without having money with me. She said, okay. Uh, I don't think that's possible, sir. He says, uh, let me go get my manager. So he goes and gets the manager. And the manager says, sir, how can I help you? I said, well, I need some help. I said, I have a problem and I have a proposition. I said, the problem is I don't have any money. I said, but the proposition is I need to feed my family and my wife is expecting food and I don't have any money on me, but I need to figure out a way to pay for it without being here. He said, well, sir, you can go online and buy a gift certificate. I can't do that. Because it takes a credit card to buy the gift certificate. Then where am I going to print the gift certificate out to show him? I said, sir, that's not going to work for me. He said, well, what do you suggest? I said, well, my suggestion is you just give me the food for free. (laughs) And I tell you what, you give me the food now. And then I'll come back tomorrow and pay for it. And he looks at me and say, okay. He said, so how can I trust that you would do that? And the guy that's with me, my friend, says, oh, he's a preacher. He'll do it. And he, he's sitting there thinking, my friend's sitting there thinking, he ain't going to get it. He's not going to get it. He's not going to get it. He is not going to talk this man into giving him this free food. Well, guess what? I walked out with food without paying for it. Because when you have a faith expectation that is high, you don't take Uh, No. Can you say amen? Amen. So here's the question. What is the secret to great expectation manifestation? What is the secret to great expectation manifestation? In other words, I'm saying, what is the secret to causing what you expect to happen? Well, I'm glad you asked me because it leads me into my last point tonight. And that is great expectation manifestation comes by having a praise revelation. I'm going to say that again. Great expectation manifestation comes by having a praise revelation. What I'm saying is you, once you get a revelation of what praise will do in your life, praise will cause, watch this, manifestation of your expectation to show up in your life. Now I have two verses and we're going to close here. Go to Psalm 67. Psalm 67, one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. Psalm 67, verses 3, and it says, let the people. Notice it didn't just say the person. It said, let the people praise you. That sounds like corporate praise to me. He said, let the people praise you, O God. Let how many? Come on, class. Let all the people do what? Praise you. Watch this now. Jump down to verse 5. Let the people praise you. God said, you know what? They didn't hear it the first time. I got to say it again. He said, let the people praise you. Oh, God. Let how many? Come on, class. Let all the people praise you.
praise you. And God is saying, I need you to get a revelation of what praise will do in your life because guess what? Here is the promise. He says, when you do that, then shall the earth yield, give up, release her increase and God, even your God will bless you. I'm saying praise has the ability to cause the earth to let go of stuff you want. So you can raise your expectation, but praise will cause it to manifest. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't believe that. I'm glad you don't. Go to Acts chapter 16 as we close. Go to Acts 16. Go to Acts 16. See, your praise needs to raise to see the evidence of great expectation. See, some of y'all are looking for a raise, but the problem is you ain't got no praise. Maybe that raise is caught up in your praise. Some of you all's praise is constipated. I know that's a sensitive subject. Nobody likes to talk about being constipated, but we all experience it every now and then. How many have been constipated in here? Raise your hand. Let me see. You don't have to raise your hand. I know you did. Some of y'all constipated right now. When you're constipated, it makes things difficult to come out. And sometimes it's so bad, you have to get some X-lax. X-lax has this ingredient in it that causes a release. An abundance of overflow. Supernatural release. And some of you all's praise has been spiritually constipated. But what you got to get a revelation of is that when I raise my expectation, expectation will give me a revelation of praise and praise will become my ex And once praise has come out, the Bible says the earth is going to let it go. In Acts 16, verse 22, it says, And the multitude rose together against, watch this, Paul and Silas. And they began to beat their clothes, beat them up. Verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they threw them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who haven't received a charge to put them into the inner prison, not just in the prison. Today's term would be the hole. They got put in the hole. Let's see what happened. It says in verse 24, they got put in the inner prison and then they put their feet in stocks and chains. And in verse 25, and at midnight, everybody say at midnight. See, see, my question is, I wonder why they wasn't asleep. Because sometimes when you're tossing and turning in your problem and you can't sleep, listen, you don't need to cut the television on. You need to put some praise on. And here it is in the darkest night, Paul and Silas begin to pray. And what else did they do? They sang some praise unto God. Remember I said when you get a revelation of praise, your expectation will raise. Watch what happened. And they begin to praise and the prisoners heard it, which means that they were praising out loud. And then suddenly, everybody say, I need a suddenly. Suddenly there became a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately, how many of the doors? 
Oh, how many of the doors? I know you need a door open in 2014. And I'm telling you, your door is open with your brain. All of the doors were open and the prison was shaking. I dare you to get up right now and begin to praise because when you praise, your door will open. Your door will open. I said your door will open. I said your door will open. I don't know what door you need open, but I tell you, your door is waiting on your parade. Father, we praise you tonight. We bless you tonight. We thank you tonight. Come on, get, in the, get you praising. I'm going to praise him myself.